to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be covering chapters 25 and 26 of Genesis. And uh, we'll jump right into chapter 25, the death of Abraham. Abraham married another wife whose name was Keturah. She gave birth to Zimran, Jokshan, Madan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Deran. Deran's descendants were the Azurites, Lethushites, and Leomites. Midian's son were Ephan, Epher, Hanok, Abida, and Elda. These were all descendants of Abraham through Keturah. Abraham gave everything he owned to his son Isaac, but before he died, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them off to a land in the east away from Isaac. Abraham lived for 175 years, and he died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. This was the field Abraham had purchased from the Hittites in where he had buried his wife, Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son, Isaac, who settled near Beer-Lahairoi in the Negev, Ishmael's descendants. This is the account of the family of Ishmael, the son of Abraham through Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian servant. Here's a list by descendants. The oldest was Neviath, followed by Kedar, Abdil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tema, Jatur, Nafish, and Kadama. These twelve sons of Ishmael became the founders of twelve tribes named after them, listed according to the places they settled and camped. Ishmael lived for 137 years. Then he breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. Ishmael's descendants occupied the region from Havilah to Ashur, which is east of Egypt in the direction of Ashur. There they lived in open hostility toward all their relatives. The births of Esau and Jacob. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb, so she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? she asked. And the Lord told her, The sons of your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red and at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat, so they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Esau sells his birthright. 
As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament. Preferring to stay at home, Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What's good? What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Here in chapter 25, specifically verse 23, uh, this prenatal prophecy concerning Jacob and Esau pretends conflict between the brothers, and it goes beyond just normal sibling rivalry. Unfortunately, the subsequent family history amply bears this out. Sibling rivalry is often very destructive to family relationships, and it can easily get out of control. Siblings often separate for life, carrying with them years of hard feelings that taint all their other relationships. Reconciliation with those we have hurt is one of the goals of spiritual renewal. Let us take steps towards restoring our important relationships. In verse 34, Esau traded his rights as a firstborn son for a bowl of stew to fill his empty stomach. He was indifferent in the things in life that were really important. His primary concern was his physical satisfaction with no thought at all for his future. He hadn't learned how to wait. The lesson Esau needed to learn is important for all of us. We need to view things from a long-term perspective. If we can picture the positive results of life as God intended it, we will be able to give up the momentary pleasures of sin that threaten to keep us from that life. Chapter 26 Isaac deceives Abimelech A severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time, so Isaac moved to Great to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants. Just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. And I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, She is my sister. He was afraid to say, She is my wife, he thought. They will kill me to get 
her because she is so beautiful. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac's saw Isaac caressing Rebekah immediately. And Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, She is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get her from me, Isaac replied. How could you do this to us? Abimelech exclaimed. One of my people might easily have taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of great sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. Conflict over water rights. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goat, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells and dirt with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug up by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in the in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and explained and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again there was a dispute over it, so Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space, for he said, Alas, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshipped the Lord. He set up his camp at the place, and his servants dug another well. Isaac's Covenant with Abimelech One day, King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor, Ahazath, and also Fickle, his army commander. Why have you come here? Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your hand, off your land. They replied, We can plainly see that the Lord is with you. So you want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us, just as we have never troubled you. We have always treated you well, and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty and they ate and drank together early the next morning 
They each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. Then Isaac sent them home again, and they left him in peace. That very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they had dug. We found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named the well Sheba. And so this day, and to this day, the town that grew up there is called Beersheba, which means well of the oath. At the age of 40, Esau married two Hittite wives, Judith and daughter of Beeri and Besmet the daughter of Elon, but Esau's wife made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. Here in uh, chapter 26, in verses 6 through 11, um, so we know that children learn from their parents. Unfortunately, they are not necessarily selective about what they learn. They don't always learn the good things and ignore the bad. These verses demonstrate what Isaac learned from his father, Abraham. Doubtless he had heard how Abraham had passed Sarah off as his sister to protect himself. It is amazing how the sinful patterns of our parents are often repeated in our own lives. How often our family patterns of sin repeat themselves generation after generation. Isaac would have been wise to tell the truth and trust God to protect them. Trust in God is one weapon we have in fighting against destructive family patterns. In verses 23 through 24, Isaac was afraid, and uh, he had a he had good reason to be. He was surrounded by hostile neighbors who greatly outnumbered his household. He didn't have a place to call his own except the burial site of his parents. He lived in Gerar by permission, as it were. At this time, God came to Isaac with this soothing message. Do not be afraid. We may feel as if we don't belong anywhere. We may have forfeited our place in society. It may seem as though there are enemies all around us, but even when things are at their worst, we need to be aware that God is with us, whispering, do not be afraid. That concludes our reading for today. I just want to summarize everything we read today and, uh, in my own words. So Abraham remarries after Sarah's death and has six more kids for a grand total of eight. But his entire estate goes to Isaac because Isaac is the child of God's promise. He's also the only child of Abraham's first wife. Abraham dies at 175 years old and God appears to Isaac to reiterate his promise. Then right after God appears to him, Isaac starts lying. He manifests the sin of his father, calling his wife his sister. But this time, it isn't even half true. Some scholars say this could be this could also be the same King Abimelech who stole Sarah. In both stories, Abimelech demonstrates a higher view of God's holiness than Abraham and Isaac do. In response to Isaac's sin, God protects and blesses him, and quickly, within a year, Isaac sows and reaps one hundredfold. Because of his success, Abimelech tries to get rid of him. 
whenever this particular family starts to flourish, the people around them notice. They become jealous or afraid of them and want them dead and gone. God appears to Isaac at Beersheba, the very first well his dad took possession of. God reiterates the promise that was originally for Abraham and must extend through Isaac because he's the child of the promise, the only child of Abraham and Sarah. Isaac and Rebekah have their first baby when he's 60. She was barren for 20 years, but Isaac knows the God who grants life. So he intercedes on Rebekah's behalf and God answers with a yes. Sometimes God answers with a no, but all his answers to our prayers, yes, no, or wait, serve to establish his very good plans. In this instant, in order for God to fulfill his promise of many offspring to Isaac, God has to open Rebekah's womb. When he does, Rebekah is pregnant with twins. Rebekah has a lot of questions about it all, and she takes her questions to God. His answer is perplexing because his plan for these twins goes against the cultural norms. The younger son will rule instead of the older through a tangled mess of sin, part of which we saw today. God accomplishes his purpose, purposes to that end. Esau's impatience and Jacob's scheming add up to transferred birthright, which is typically bestowed on the firstborn and signals inheritance and prominence. God flips the script with a bowl of stew. This promise transference to the younger child isn't just a one-off situation as far as God is concerned. It's actually a theme in scripture. Here are two other examples we've seen so far. The offspring of younger brother Abel was accepted, while firstborn Cain's wasn't. And younger brother Isaac got the promises that belonged to firstborn Ishmael. Scripture calls Jesus our older brother. If he's the firstborn and we're the younger siblings, he should get all the inheritance. But Romans 8 says we share in his inheritance. Like his dad, Esau marries at 40. Some say sexual purity is an outdated idea because when the Bible was written, People got married at 13 or 14. Maybe some did, but not according to the ages we have recorded. Esau marries two Hittite women. Not only does he marry two women, but both women are outside God's family. Jacob is committed to God's plan for his family, but Esau is indifferent or antagonistic. But rest assured, even his rebellion fits into the big picture. God is no respecter of persons. He shows attention and favor to those who aren't in positions of honor. Like sojourners and latter-born kids, this aspect of God's character extends far beyond birth order to those who have a mental illness or a physical uniqueness or are developmentally delayed. The God who made the human brain and body certainly isn't limited to the number of their functions we're currently aware of. There seems to be a special way God communicates with those in situations that seem less desirable or more impossible. 
He's endeared to the needy, the lowly, and that's all of us, really. The more we're aware of our need for him, the more we'll delight in his nearness and provision, and the more our hearts remember that he's where the joy is. with a daily devotional for you guys to have with you throughout today. Be prepared to suffer for me. In my name, all suffering has meaning in my kingdom. Pain and problems are opportunities to demonstrate your trust in me. Bearing your circumstances bravely, even thanking me for them, is one of the highest forms of praise. This sacrifice of thanksgiving rings golden-toned bells of joy throughout heavenly realms. On earth also, your patient suffering sends out ripples of good tidings in ever-widening circles. When suffering strikes, remember that I am sovereign and that I can bring good out of everything. Do not try to run from pain or hide from problems. Instead, accept adversity in my name, offering it up to me for my purpose. Thus your suffering gains meaning and draws you closer to me. Joy emerges from the ashes of adversity through your trust and thankfulness. That's it for today. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Bible Podcast, and God bless each and every one of you.